Hey guys, I'm Elise Lunan, the Chief Content Officer here at Goop. Today's guest is Shannon Watts. You may have heard of her. She is amazing. And she's the first guest to kick off a special eight-episode series that we're hosting in partnership with Banana Republic called Women on Top, which I'm excited to tell you more about. Some of the most interesting businesses, or maybe all of the most interesting businesses, were born out of curiosity, a desire to explore, to ask questions and share answers. This is the space that Gwyneth was in when she started Goop. It's also the space from which Banana Republic was founded back in 1978, when two California creatives with adventurous spirits began upcycling military surplus clothing. And the rest was history. When we talked to the team at Banana Republic about partnering up on a special podcast series, Their vision revolved around the idea of living a life with no boundaries. This is the inspiration behind their clothing today. It drives how they source premium materials from around the world, the ways they choose to innovate with their designs, and how they think about infusing style with substance. This is all on display in their fall collection, which combines iconic Banana Republic styles with a modern twist. To see it all and to shop Banana Republic's fall collection, head to bananarepublic.com. Don't hold anything too tightly. Just wish for it, want it, let it come from the intention of real truth for you, and then let it go. For me, our soul is like, it's unbound, it's limitless, but we will use words to limit ourselves. When people stop believing that somebody's got your back or Superman's coming, we turn to ourselves, and that's where you become empowered. Courageous participation attracts positive things. I'm Gwyneth Paltrow. This is the Goop Podcast, bringing together thought leaders, culture changers, creatives, founders and CEOs, scientists, doctors, healers and seekers, here to start conversations, because simply asking questions and listening has the power to change the way we see the world. Today is no exception. I'll let Elise fill you in on her extraordinary guest. All right, over to Elise. Shannon Watts is the founder of Moms Demand Action and the author of Fight Like a Mother. She's also a mom of five. She admits she never thought she would be so involved in politics and policy change. But after the Sandy Hook shooting, she said she couldn't just sit. She had to take action. Today, Moms Demand Action is one of the largest grassroots movements in the country, focused entirely on preventing gun violence. Shannon is confident that this issue will be fixed, and we've made a ton of progress. She gives us a lot of reason to be hopeful and to not give up, ever. And so you need to learn how to take failure as feedback. And even if you lose one battle in a very long war, you can learn and win the next one. And we have done that over and over again in our organization. Shannon shares her own vision for how she thinks things will change in the upcoming election cycles, and she explains how, together, we can turn those hopes into reality. Above all, I think Shannon reminds us our voices matter. One note before I turn it over to her. We spoke earlier this summer when Shannon was in town, so this conversation was recorded prior to the heartbreaking shootings and murders in Dayton, El Paso, South Haven, and Gilroy. Everything Shannon says remains relevant and arguably more important than ever. Stick around to the end to learn about ways we can all help. Now, let's get into my conversation with Shannon Watts. Thank you for being here. 
I always feel a little guilty about asking activists to take time out to talk to us just because I know how valuable your time is. I appreciate that. But honestly, it's so important to talk about the work we're doing and the fact that we're winning, getting that message out alone that we are winning. When so many people think this issue or other issues can be hopeless, reminding people of all the progress we've made is such an important part of what I do. Yeah, no, I loved that. Just so everyone knows, your book came out in May. And it's great, not only for what it lists out in terms of the progress we've made on gun sense and gun safety, but this idea, too, that anyone can not only join a movement, but start a movement. I am proof of that. Uh, You know, I certainly (laughs) never imagined that I would be this politically active or that I would be an organizer that I would be the tip of the spear on such a volatile issue, but here we are. I know. So can you take us back to your kitchen right after Sandy Hook with your 32 Twitter followers? Is that what it was? (laughs) I didn't even have one. I I had a Twitter (laughs) handle that was inactive, but I had 75 Facebook friends. And I was folding laundry, you know, which is sort of a full-time job for a mom of five. Uh, I had been a stay-at-home mom for five years after leaving a career in corporate communications. And I saw the news starting to come in that there had been a tragic shooting in Newtown, Connecticut at an elementary school. And no one knew at that time really how bad it was. And I can remember just sort of saying to the universe, please don't let this be as bad as it seems. Mm -hmm. And now we all know it was a million times worse than really even today that we can fathom that 20 children and six educators would be slaughtered in the sanctity of an elementary school. And just like you and everyone else in America, I was absolutely devastated that this was happening. But then I became really angry. I saw pundits and politicians come on television and say, well, the solution is more guns Mm -hmm. or it's arming teachers. And I didn't know anything about gun violence. I didn't know anything about gun laws, but I knew our nation was broken. Mm -hmm. I knew that was not the answer. And so I thought, I'm going to look online and join something like Mothers Against Drunk Driving. I'm going to get off the sidelines. I'm going to get involved. And I searched for probably almost an hour, and I couldn't find anything at all out there. I found some think tanks in Washington, D.C., mostly run by men. Mm -hmm. I found some state or city organizations, again, mostly run by men. I wanted to be part of a badass army of women that was like Mothers Against Drunk Driving, which was so pivotal for me, you mm-hmm. know, and, and so many in the 80s me growing too. up. Yeah. It, it was this idea of going from everybody's parents kind of had a few drinks and then drove to they were pariahs really mm-hmm. socially if, if they did that. And so I knew that the power of women and especially moms when they got together. And and I also felt that moms were the yin to the gun, gun lobby's yang, mm-hmm. that the gun lobby had made this very vocal minority afraid that their guns were going to be taken away, but that 80 million moms, regardless of political party, who were afraid their children would be taken away, Mm -hmm. would win the day. But again, all of that I didn't know when I started this Facebook page, which um, I didn't have a focus group in my kitchen. So I called it One Million Moms for Gun Control. Soon after, my daughter, who is gay, told me that One Million Moms was a group trying to get Ellen DeGeneres not to be the JCPenney spokeswoman, which is bad. And then I got a call from a congresswoman who said, we don't use the words gun control. Like that's a verboten phrase in DC, Mm -hmm. which I didn't know when I was in Indiana. And so we changed our name pretty immediately. But the power of social media in those first few hours, days, weeks, 
that caught fire with so many women and moms across the country and and men too, who Mm -hmm. said it was time for them to get off the sidelines. Totally. I loved that passage in the book. I, I don't remember exactly who was saying it, but it was another concerned mom. And she, I think, had been agitating or having the same feelings as you and as it would turn out almost every mom in America. And she was asking herself, who will lead? And I thought that was such a poignant but small point in the book of you just saying, I guess I'm going to lead, which so many of us, I think it's that it's like when the crowd gathers and no one takes action because there's always this expectation that someone else will step forward. But it seems like it needs to be an unconscious choice for it to really happen. I I would agree with that. You know, if if I knew in retrospect what this would turn into or or how my life would change, you know, you would have trepidation to... Mm again, be the face of, of something that, you know, immediately started receiving threats of death, threats of sexual violence to me and to my kids. But I'm so incredibly grateful and honored to do this work every single day. I'm a full-time volunteer, and we are run mostly by volunteers on the ground. And all of them finding ways to carve out time from their busy schedules, whether they are working moms or stay-at-home moms, Uh, Many treat this like a job and they take it incredibly seriously. And we've created this culture that empowers and emboldens particularly women to get off the sidelines and to use their voices and their votes and the power levers that are available to them, right? We're only 20% of state lawmakers. We're only 25% of federal lawmakers. We're only 5% of Fortune 1000 CEOs. Mm -hmm. But we make the vast majority of spending decisions. We're the majority of the voting electorate. And that's why so many lawmakers want our volunteers standing with them in their red shirts, because they know our voices matter. Right. And I know you, through this movement, as more and more of these moms have come into contact with their local governance, right? They are all asking the same question, (laughs) which I think I've always felt since I was a child. Like, why this person? Like, why is this person creating legislation? Why is this person my representative? They don't seem to read any of the legislation. They don't even seem to know what they're voting for. They're essentially voting along party lines or out of fear. And so I love this idea that all these Moms Demand Action volunteers are now also running. That somehow, you know, you talk about this in the book, but men seem to have no qualms about raising their hands regardless of qualifications, whereas women feel like we need to be incredibly overqualified to do even the most menial tasks. So I think just exposing all these women to how government functions is in of itself a service, despite what you've already done for... It's so interesting. You know, I had never spent time, certainly in my statehouse, and now so many of us spend hours sitting in gun bill hearings or showing up at rallies or having meetings with our lawmakers And what you realize is they are not rocket scientists. There are many of them I wouldn't trust to get me a cup of coffee, let alone make the laws that protect my family and my community. And we had one volunteer in North Carolina who said, you know, I I really thought that when I went to my state house, they wanted to hear from me. They wanted to hear what I had to say and that my input mattered. She's now a state lawmaker in North Carolina, by the way. But we had 40 of our volunteers run in 2018. Of the 40, 17 won everything from city council to Congress, a former Moms Demand Action volunteer, Lucy McBath, whose son, Jordan Davis, was shot and killed in Florida, a black teen 
he was shot and killed by a white man who said his music was too loud. Mm -hmm. Lucy became a volunteer with our organization soon after, and now she's a congresswoman from Georgia. So we know that when women go to the polls, they vote on this issue. And we know that when they win office, when they're elected to office, they legislate on this issue. And that's why it's so incredibly important to turbocharge our efforts by not just the advocacy we do, but actually turning our volunteers and gun violence survivors into lawmakers. And it doesn't matter if it's school board or city council or Congress, all of it matters. Totally. So let's talk about small local government, because I know mm-hmm. you guys have had an incredible amount of success there. And and I would imagine, except for in potentially some incredibly red states, I mean, 90% of voters want common sense gun laws, correct? The vast majority of Americans, so about 90% of Americans support stronger gun laws, 80% of gun owners, 74% of NRA members. Mm-hmm. This is really about an extreme radicalized leadership of the NRA. It's not about their members. So this is not a polarizing issue among the general public. It is and can be among lawmakers, and that's why our work is so important. When we go into state houses, we do two things. One is that we play offense. We've passed background checks now in 21 states. We've passed red flag laws in 17. We've disarmed domestic abusers in 28 states. All of those laws proven by data and research to save lives. If you look just at 2018 alone, we passed stronger gun laws in 20 states, nine of which were signed by Republican lawmakers. Mm. So they're working across the aisle better than, than Congress does. But there's also another piece of this, which is to play defense. You know, we never realized we would spend so much time in state houses beating back bad NRA bills like arming teachers or putting guns on college campuses, um, stand your ground laws, something called permitless carry, where you can carry a hidden loaded handgun in public with no training or background check. Mm -hmm. So these are bills that show up over and over again. And we have about a 90% track record of of killing those bills. Um, Last year alone, we beat back over a thousand bad bills. So that's another big part of this work. And can you explain like what red flag, can you go into the domestic violence, like what was previously allowed by law in terms of domestic abusers' ability to keep their guns and sort of how that, because you make this point throughout the book, clearly things like Sandy Hook, these national tragedies arrest us all and stop us all, but most gun violence is in the home. It's primarily perpetrated against people of color and- it's primarily perpetrated against women, right? Women, black teens. So black when kids. you when you look at gun violence in this country, it's twofold. And it's not just the mass shootings and the school shootings, which is what brought me into this work, but it's the daily gun violence. It's the gun homicide in city centers. It's gun suicides in rural communities. And there's research and data that shows that there are solutions to all of it. And so when we work on, for example, domestic gun violence laws, the federal definition of a prohibited purchaser, a convicted domestic abuser, does not include stalkers or dating partners. And we know that about 50% of all the women who are killed by intimate partners with guns in this country are dating partners now because they're waiting longer to get married. Mm -hmm. So we have to go into the states and broaden what the definition of a domestic abuser is. And then we have to put teeth in the laws that allow law enforcement to remove the guns a domestic abuser already owns. That could be fixed, for example, right now in the Violence Against Women Act. There is a new piece of that that would close what we call the boyfriend loophole. But in the interim, we're going state by state to do this work. 
A red flag law is essentially a temporary restraining order that a family member or a police officer typically can get a judge to put into effect that temporarily removes the guns of someone who seems to be a danger to themselves or others. We started working on this back after the UCSB shooting when the parents of the shooter said, we told police our son was armed and he was dangerous and we knew that he was going to do something, whether it was to himself or others, but there was nothing police could do. Mm. And so California was one of the first states that we worked on passing this bill. And just this year, um, we passed them in Nevada and Hawaii. So these are, again, bills that are overwhelmingly supported by Republican governors. And there's something that Americans support. But the problem is, for too long, the gun lobby has been writing our gun laws, and they do not support these laws. Right. One of the most ingenious parts of the book is the Starbucks example, too. And because I had no idea. And, and, you know, I'm from Montana. I It's obviously a gun state, lots and lots of hunters, people who provide for their families by hunting. And I was home a couple summers ago with my family and went to the farmer's market. And I, Missoula is very liberal. And so there was like a whole pride a pride march and I was like, oh, we should move back here. This is so great. And and then I saw a young family and the guy turned and he had a weapon, a gun. And I was I'd actually never seen that. I'd seen gun racks and windows of trucks, but I'd never seen an armed pedestrian like that, which freaked me out. And then I realized that it's not only it's totally legal in many states and it's also, many or sorry, many businesses allow it. And so, can you take us through the Starbucks example? Yeah. So, open carry is carrying a semi-automatic rifle or a handgun open on your person, and it's legal in forty-five states in this country. I see it all the time where I live in Colorado, and it's up to restaurants and retailers and other companies to decide whether they'll allow it in states where it's legal. And about six months after I started Moms Do Man Action, I was watching the news and saw that Starbucks was no longer going to allow smoking, including electronic cigarettes, 20 feet outside its stores, regardless of state law. And we had seen open carry inside their stores happening. And so I called them and said, you know, are you still going to allow this? And they said, we're going to keep following local laws as it pertains to guns. And we decided we were much more afraid of secondhand bullets than secondhand smoke. So we embarked on what we call a mom cot. And we were so small. We were only six months old. And we could only do skip Starbucks Saturdays. We did not have the power to to actually do a full-on economic boycott. And even then, the soccer moms gave me a hard time about no Starbucks on Saturdays. But <laughs> we did it. And we showed, using the hashtag skip Starbucks Saturdays, we showed images of what open carry looked like inside Starbucks. Because when we did this, gun extremists pushed back and they just started showing up at so many Starbucks open carrying. And within three months, we were able to get the CEO of Starbucks, Howard Schultz, to come out on television and say, in fact, he said guns were no longer welcome inside their stores, not just open carry. And we realized that this was a way that we could win, that we yeah. did have a lot of power. And we've replicated that at dozens of restaurants and retailers. What's interesting is now companies don't have to be dragged kicking and screaming into this issue anymore. We're having so many companies come to us and not just for advice on their policies, but to join our coalition, companies yeah. like Tom's Shoes and Dick's Sporting Goods and Levi's. And that is a, a real sea change. 
Yeah. No, and I think so much of this is driven out of people just not being aware of the law. You know, I was shocked. If I had seen a guy with an open carry gun walking through Santa Monica, I would have called the police. I would have called all the neighborhood schools. It's such an insane concept. Yet, well, And it is illegal in California, but where I live in Colorado, there was someone in Colorado Springs walking down the street with a rifle. And a woman called 911 and the operator said, that's legal in the state. And then no sooner did she hang up the phone than he opened fire and killed four people. Mm. So how are you supposed to know who's a bad guy and who's a good guy? Exactly. It's in, in total insanity. So I know like in terms of what's happening on a national stage, the only good thing it seems from President Trump is that because people aren't concerned about anyone taking away their guns anytime soon, gun sales are in the toilet. We call it the Trump slump. <laughs> Since Donald Trump was elected, gun sales are down at least $100 million. And that's because they don't have a boogeyman in the White House to make people afraid every time there's a mass shooting. Mm -hmm. So because of, of Donald Trump's presidency, and he received about $30 million from the NRA, you would think that immediately the NRA would turn around and pass their priority pieces of legislation that they had been trying to pass for years and years. They had a Republican president, a Republican Congress, and they failed because we've gotten so good at playing defense. And so now here we are going into 2020, and the NRA is weaker than they've ever been. We are stronger than we've ever been. And there's a real chance that, that this election will be pivotal. Let's take a quick break. I mentioned a few weeks ago on the podcast that curiosity is my favorite state of being. I try to carry that attitude with me every day. And it's certainly easier to do it at a place like Goop that places such a premium value on being curious and feeling empowered to explore and ask questions. Banana Republic is another company that values curiosity. Their founding story starts with a California couple who was looking for an adventure. Fun fact, Banana Republic began as a safari-inspired clothing company. And today, the inspiration for their clothing is designing for a life in motion, or as they put it, living a life of possibilities with no boundaries. Their fall collection is iconic Banana Republic, styled for now. So there are utility-inspired styles made from premium materials. Think your favorite dresses and pants updated in animal prints and menswear patterns, and quintessential suede jackets and cashmere sweaters that you'll wear for many seasons to come. And now Banana Republic is celebrating some true modern icons with Goop through our special podcast series, Women on Top. I hope you'll listen to every episode. These are the women who lead with power, grace, and curiosity, who I think define what it means to break boundaries, and maybe most importantly, who are working hard so that others too can live a life with possibilities. So keep listening and keep shopping with our friends at Banana Republic. To get their fall collection, head to bananarepublic.com. A few weeks ago, it was my eighth wedding anniversary, and as we come out of wedding and anniversary season, I've been thinking about the different ways we celebrate certain moments and how we can create memories in our lives. And if you've listened to my conversation with Chip Heath on this podcast, you know this is something I think about a lot. Weddings and anniversaries are, of course, often marked by the exchange of a special piece of jewelry, although some of the jewelry that is most special to me wasn't necessarily tied to an obvious date on the calendar. Simon G. Jewelry specializes in fine jewelry for the traditionally big special occasions and for the moments that we can make into special occasions. 
Over the past three decades, Simon G. has become known for combining old-world romance with modern techniques. Their pieces are glamorous and timeless at the same time. And if you happen to be looking, I'll say that Simon G. makes incredibly beautiful engagement rings too, which stole the show and Goop's engagement story this past May. Around that time, Goop also launched our first G-label fashion capsule for men. And now, Simon G. just released their first men's collection too. Their 18-piece collection includes rings, necklaces, and bracelets in 18-karat gold, diamond, and rubber. So, to shop for that special man or woman in your life, head to simongjewelry.com and find a retailer near you. That's S-I-M-O-N and then the letter G. Okay, break's over. Let's hear more from Shannon Watts. Pie in the sky, what do you think is possible? We need a background check on every gun sale so that just like license sales, people who are selling guns privately also have to perform background checks. That's how guns get into the hands of dangerous people. They buy them online, they buy them at gun shows, they buy them at garage sales, and background checks aren't required. Right now, more than half of the states in the country allow guns sold without a background check. So we need the federal government to change that. That's really the foundation on which all of the other laws exist. Um, But it would be great to also finally close the boyfriend loophole at a federal level, to pass a red flag law at the federal level, to start funding gun research again. You know, the Government stopped funding CDC research on this issue in the 90s. So we don't really understand fully the extent of our crisis or how to solve it. And having more research go into gun violence prevention would be incredibly important. Yeah. And particularly for neighborhoods where, I mean, this is an astounding statistic in the book, one that American civilians own close to 400 million guns, more than the population of the United States but that black Americans are 10 times more likely to be killed by a gun than a white American. And a black child in America is 15 times more likely to be killed by a gun. So how have you, I know you guys have worked really hard to build a really big tent, to quote you. So how have you worked to address all of those issues? We, we are paying attention to every single tentacle that gun violence has, whether it's gun homicides, gun suicides, unintentional shootings. You can't really talk about gun violence without talking about racism in this country. And so we work at all different levels, at the community level, at the state level, at the federal level, to research gun violence, to pass laws and policies that will address it, but ultimately to change our culture of gun Mm -hmm. violence. I mean, that is really a big piece of this. For so long, the gun lobby has been insidious. And they have really stripped all the responsibilities that go along with gun rights. We're not against the Second Amendment. Many of our volunteers are gun owners or they're married to them. This is really just about restoring the responsibilities that go along with gun rights. Totally. Yeah. I think that whole, the Second Amendment sort of God-given right to own a gun is so strange to me. Like it is a human-given right. I think you talk about this. It's like a government right and it needs to be respected. There is a ton of responsibility, obviously, that goes with it. So looking at your movement and what you've managed to build, and I know within the book you sort of talk about activism in general, staying on message, which I'm sure is so hard, right, in a time of all of these issues that you probably wish you could throw your weight into. But you guys have been incredibly tight about staying on point, brand, 
having those red Moms Demand Actions shirts. Like, how do you, what do you credit with what you've built? Well, you know, I was in corporate communications for a good 10 years or more before I started Moms Demand Action. I cut my teeth at General Electric and they taught me a lot about branding and communications and marketing. And all of that was incredibly helpful in showing that we were credible, that we were sophisticated, that we were empowered, and that we were in this for the long haul. And we, about a year into Moms Demand Action's existence, we partnered with Mayors Against Illegal Guns, which was a group created by Mayor Bloomberg when he was still the mayor. And Every Town for Gun Safety is the umbrella over all of the organizations. We're the grassroots arm now of Every Town. But this, this look in this feel and the fact that we are women mostly and that we are mothers, um, of course now, like Mothers Against Drunk Driving, we're mothers and others. The, the brand that we have empowers women and it emboldens women. But on top of that, other people in America see that we're winning. They see the red shirts. They see the momentum that we have on the ground. You know, we are not only the largest gun violence prevention organization, we're actually one of the largest grassroots movements in the country. So the fact that we have hundreds of thousands of volunteers, nearly 6 million supporters, a chapter in every state, this issue isn't going away and it is going to get fixed in several election cycles. And it's just so important that that everyone understands that we are winning this and that mm-hmm. we're not going to give up. Do you see a time in the future when you have, when we have such bulletproof, no pun intended, but when we are so buttoned up in our gun laws that the organization will morph and you'll take on other issues? Or (laughs) are you going to retire? I see this being, again, like Mothers Against Drunk Driving, you know, it took them about 20 years to pass all the laws they needed to significantly reduce the amount of drunk driving deaths in this country and to completely transform the culture Mm -hmm. of drunk driving and make it totally unacceptable. That's not our goal. Our goal is just to restore the responsibilities that go along with gun rights. But I think this is going to take several election cycles. And once it does, then it will be up to our volunteers, but also volunteers from the next generation to protect the wins we've made. Mm-hmm. I'm not really sure what's in store for me. Um, <laughs> a nap? <laughs> and I would love to you know, take a nap and, and learn to garden. <laughs> Dare to dream. Exactly. So for people who are listening and scattered across the country, what do you guys most need? Is it representation in numbers of women in red shirts? Strength in numbers is a huge part of this. When we show up, dozens or hundreds of us at state houses, it's usually all of us versus one or two NRA lobbyists. And the more lawmakers see, A, that we'll have their backs if they do the right thing, but B, we'll have their jobs if they don't, that does depend on showing up. And so for people to get involved, you can actually just text the word READY to 64433 and you'll get a volunteer call. And someone will tell you how to join locally where you are. But also to understand that there's no activism that is too small. We even have something called naptivism. So we have some volunteers who just make calls or send emails or use hashtags while their kids are taking a nap. That matters. You don't have to carve 40 hours a work week out of your life to work on this issue. Even if you only have a couple hours, you know, we're type A women and moms. We will make the best use of it. No, I love that. I also love that you welcome volunteers with a call because it feels like I've certainly had this experience of really being moved in the moment to try to do more or get involved. And then typically, like I often run into a wall of like, oh, we're not taking people right now or 
you know. You will never hear that from Moms <laughs> Demand Action. <laughs> but that or, you know, all of the families of our like we've covered we're covered. And then you're sort of like, I don't know where to start. We had so many people tell us that. You know, we started after Sandy Hook and, and they had called other organizations, you know, whether it was gun violence prevention or women's groups or whatever it was. And they would say, you know, you're the only ones who called me back. And that's because we now have this entire network of volunteers, some of them who that's their only job is to call and not only welcome volunteers, but to immediately get them involved in event where they live. Because we know that when we lay eyeballs on you, you're much more likely to stay engaged. Let's take a quick break. There's a workout, then there's a Goop workout, and then there's Goop League. Goop League is our first major fitness-focused experience. We're launching this new event the weekend of October 12th to 13th in a city that we love and that's become something of a second home to us. That's Austin, Texas, guys. And we'll be at our favorite, the Line Hotel in downtown Austin, right on the river. What in the world can you expect from the Goop team this time? Goop League is all about tapping into the incredible potential of the body. We're bringing together some of the most talented and cutting-edge instructors and experts from the world of fitness. These are the people who are redefining physical wellness and shaping the way we think about and approach the mind-body-soul connection. As a guest at Goop League, you'll get to take three classes with these top practitioners in several different studio spaces. Ground, lift, pulse, burn, and release. And some of my very favorite teachers will be there like Anna Ray, a former dancer from LA who has developed a wholly unique, compelling, and fun movement method that revolves around reconditioning your fascia. It's extraordinary, I promise. And Colette Dong from the Ness in New York City will also be there. The executive team at Goop recently did the Ness's new bounce and sculpting classes together when we were out on the East Coast. It was hard, not gonna lie, but it was kind of hilarious and very cool. And of course, you'll get to see and do a lot more if you come to Goop League. There will be our pop-up shop, food, drinks, and a bunch of power stations where we'll have tools for soothing sore muscles, relaxing, and just finding a little zen. So to join the Goop League, you can get a pass for the event on Saturday, October 12th or Sunday, October 13th. Just head to goop.com slash goop league. Okay, break's over. Let's hear more from Shannon Watts. So what advice do you have for people whether they're going to join Moms Demand Action or get involved with other issues that are relevant to this sort of our future, I guess, collectively. Where would you recommend that people start? Well, you could read Fight Like a Mother. Yeah. <laughs> you know, my my goal was for it to be part memoir to talk about what it's been like to be the tip of the spear for this issue, part manual, because I get so many calls from mm-hmm. particularly women who say, how do I start something like this, but even on another issue in my neighborhood or my community or my state. And so I wanted to put on paper exactly how we did it. And then part manifesto, because I want women to move from shaping policy to actually making it, to take the skills they learn as activists and translate them into being law and policymakers. But I would say if you are passionate about something, then you should jump in and learn as you go. And I I talk about this in the book, flying the building the plane as you fly it, because you don't have to wait until you know everything. I mean, for me, the first year was drinking from a fire hose, learning all about gun laws and research and how to organize. And there were so many things to learn. And if I had waited that year, the moment would have passed. Totally. The other thing is that you should expect to lose. Another chapter in the book is called Losing Forward. You aren't going to get involved in any 
issue that, that needs to change, whether it's legislatively or culturally, and not lose. You're just not. And so you need to learn how uh, to take failure as feedback. And even if you lose one battle in a very long war, you can learn and win the next one. And we have done that over and over again in our organization. And so I talk a lot about that in the book. But ultimately, it is about perseverance and understanding that much of this work is a marathon, not a sprint, mm -hmm. but it's also a relay race, right? You have to hand the baton over when you're tired or something in your family takes priority or precedence and understand the work will still be there when yeah. you come back. No, I, I, that's very resonant and a conversation that I have had with many of my friends, particularly post 2016 of this incipient burnout. Like it's so hard to stay engaged and I'm waiting for someone to create and maybe this is it. But the framework of like, how do you divvy it up? How do you tag in and out, take a break? I think anyone who's empathetic and I don't know any mother who is not extremely empathetic, it's just overwhelming unless you take a moment to step back. So I love the idea that there are people who sort of cycle in and cycle out or do their almost term, mm -hmm. it seems like, for the organization and then slip out before reengaging. Yeah, that's the structure we've created. Yeah. So was there ever a moment when you almost gave up? Oh my gosh, so many, especially in the early days. But the amazing thing about this work for me has been that every step of the way, the obstacles have been removed. I can remember very early on, our Facebook page was taking off and survivors, particularly from the Sandy Hook tragedy, would send me photos from mm -hmm. their family and entrusted me to share these photos and tell their story. And we were just overrun by trolls who would say the most horrific things. And it was becoming a full-time job for me on top of all the other stuff I was doing to delete and block those trolls. And I can remember I, I was literally laying on the closet floor crying, feeling so overwhelmed you know, my life had changed so much overnight. And at that moment, I got a call from a woman who said, uh, I live with a disability. I'm home 24 hours a day. I'm actually just a few blocks away from you in Indiana. I would love to spend my days deleting all of the trolls from your social media outlets. And she did that for several years. So, you know, it has been remarkable to me that when I thought we couldn't go on, we always found a way to. And I also think that is partly because we have so many type A women who just will not go backwards, only forwards. <laughs> well, exactly. If you want to, you want something to get done, ask a busy woman, right? Yep. And ask a busy mom. mom. Yeah. yeah. No, seriously. I think it's incredible. Is there any coming legislation anywhere in the country where calls, emails, postcards, red shirts are needed? Yes. Yeah, so we have something called a Gun Sense Action Network. So no matter where you live, you can put calls into states or into lawmakers. And so there's a very important election this year in Virginia. Every single seat in the General Assembly is up for election. Uh, we could win a gun sense majority. We only lost it by a few seats in the last election. So that will be a big focus. But also going into 2020, you know, mm -hmm. we will be working at the state and federal level to elect gun sense candidates. We flipped the makeup of seven state legislatures in 2018. We've already gone into those and passed stronger gun laws in many states. So this will be an incredibly important election cycle. Are there any candidates you think are particularly outstanding? What is so amazing about the 2020 race so far is that for the first time ever, every single candidate supports stronger gun laws, even the Republican who's primarying the president. So mm -hmm. with the exception of Donald Trump, 
the Democrats are competing to see who can be the best on this issue. If you remember just a few election cycles or even one election cycle ago, they didn't want to talk about this. This right. was something they thought would be divisive or would would be a drawback for them. And what they've realized, it's not only not polarizing, it gets people out to the polls. And so we are seeing a complete sea change in election politics because of the work of Moms to Man Action. Yeah. I love the idea, too, of how horizontal the organization is and the fact that it's issue-based because this country has become so politicized. I think when you actually unwind it and unpack, we all agree with more things than we don't. That's right. And it's also about incremental change. I always say that people who are doing the incremental work that leads to revolutions while people are complaining about incrementalism, right? That is such an important part of a democracy and the structure that has been built for us to work in. It is about incremental change and it isn't necessarily going to happen overnight. And you you have to kind of dig in and accept that and, and count all your wins because yeah. stopping bad bills is a win, passing good bills is a win, changing out lawmakers is a win. Uh, but that is, is work that doesn't happen overnight. Totally. And it's also, I think, so much about that issue education. So much just gets swept up into party politics. And then when you don't do the work of unwinding what these things actually mean, people end up subscribed to things that are actually diametrically opposed to their own values. So it's, it's, I love seeing issues like this unravel across Democrats, Republicans, Libertarians, and the unity, like, progressives and hardcore conservatives can absolutely come together on these types of things. Nobody wants to watch kids die. So I think Arkansas is such a great example of of what you're talking about because it was a state where it was very hard to organize. I think people felt kind of hopeless on this issue. And so I would go out to Little Rock every year or so, meet with the same handful of very lovely women, but we weren't growing there. And what happened was we suffered a huge loss, which is that the governor signed a guns on campus bill. It sailed through the state house. Governor signed it standing next to an NRA lobbyist very proudly. It even allowed guns in Razorback Stadium where alcohol is sold. And what happened was amazing because women and moms started coming out of the woodwork. And we went from about two local groups to over a dozen across the state. And we were able to take that size and power and carve out an exemption so that guns would not be allowed in Razorback Stadium. And then the next year, two of our volunteers ran for office, including one who ran against the man who put the guns on campus bill forward. Both won. They're now Arkansas lawmakers. And then this year, we were able to completely shut down the NRA's agenda, including a stand your ground bill in the state of Arkansas. And some of the Republican lawmakers there have even said that the NRA has become too extreme and that they're even too extreme for Arkansas. So that's how this work gets done. It's kind of like drips on a rock. But eventually, you do reach this point where you realize you're more powerful than your opponent. Totally. And stand your ground just so that everyone knows that's someone's right to just shoot. Shoot first, ask questions later, essentially. Which, as we know, is particularly harmful for communities of color. Yeah. I just want to ask one final question. Clearly, you work with a lot of people who have been traumatized by guns, who've lost children, spouses, friends. How do you, is it sort of action is the antidote and that this work is inherently very healing? Or how do you handle, how do you work with people who have experienced such unbelievable acts of horror? 
You know, it's become incredibly inspirational for me to work with gun violence survivors. Often survivors will say to me, I'm grateful that you're working on this, even though you haven't had a horrific loss. Mm. But I say to them, I can't believe that you have found the strength and the courage to work on this, given what you have experienced. To me, that is heroic. Mm -hmm. And every day, I'm inspired to work with people who have decided that they are going to turn their pain into purpose and help save the lives of perfect strangers so that they don't have to experience what they've been through. I don't think it's for every survivor to get involved in activism, but for those who do, I certainly think that they find it healing. I have worked with so many women and mothers who feel like they found their tribe when they join Moms Demand Action, and it's a real support system for them. And they also feel like making a change is in honor of their loved ones. Well, thank you for all that you do. Thank you for leading. Thank you. Standing up and putting up a Facebook page. (laughs) one, It's one of the most inspirational stories around. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to my chat with Shannon Watts. To learn more about how you can help, go to momsdemandaction.org, get a copy of Shannon's book, Fight Like a Mother, Even if this is not your particular cause, Fight Like a Mother is an incredible guide to how to get active. GP said it, I've said it, and I'll say it again. If you want to get something done, give it to a mom.